Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to another episode of The How of Business. It's Henry Lopez with you here today and a special guest, Alessandra Colacci. Did I pronounce that correctly, you did. Alessandra? It's a tough one, but you got it. <laughs> well, great. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, Alessandra has a broad background. I'll just give you a brief introduction here and then I'll have her add to it. Uh, she is a live streaming and social media strategist, and I'm excited to get into the whole live streaming part of it, and the founder of Influence Buzz. Influence Buzz is a company that works with businesses to help them increase their reach and collaborate with influencers uh, to develop unique content for live streaming, for social media, online marketing, and other platforms. And she has also uh, had a successful podcast by the name of Influence Buzz, and I'll come back to that. It's a great podcast for those of you who are podcast listeners. Again, that, that's Influence Buzz. Uh, she's a marketing and, and a professional with many years of experience and a diverse set of skills. As I mentioned, she was previously the founder of a startup that was among the first to provide apps for social media sites and, and profiles, social media sites and profiles. That site that she founded was named in the Wall Street Journal as one of the top 10 most visited app sites worldwide with over 21 million monthly visitors. So a lot of success there in the past. Uh, she's a recognized, she is recognized as an innovator, a thought leader, and a national speaker on topics such as mobile, social media, startups, and technology. And her past clients have included national brands and Fortune 500 companies such as Coca-Cola, Warner Brothers, Seventeen Magazine, Cirrus XM, Marshalls, TJ Maxx, E! News, MTV, and many more. So we are privileged to have Alessandra on the show. Welcome, and please fill in what I may have missed there uh, with your background, Alessandra, if you would, please. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat about this. And as you can see, I have a pretty diverse set of uh, skills and background because I, I started in this space really early. And when I was 14, started to learn about the amazing internet world and um, got into Photoshop back when it was, I don't even know, it was like version two or something ridiculous back then. And so that led me down this path where I started to get interested in multimedia and the online space when the, the internet was relatively new and started to build my own websites that led to me doing web design for clients right out of college and had a web design agency. And I think that that's what's really exciting for me is knowing that I came from the background of, of design and usability and all that kind of stuff and tying into then as I went into marketing and worked with all these wonderful clients and brands and was trying to be always forward thinking. So that led to my startup that you mentioned that was massive because it's just right time, right place. And it grew organically very, I don't usually use the word viral, but it was a very viral growth. And that's something that is really unique. I think once in a lifetime thing, maybe twice in a lifetime thing, but it, it happened at the right time, right place. And so I am very much a, you know, what people may term a future caster. I try to see what kind of things are 
on the forefront of technology and marketing and all that kind of stuff and and do that for my clients and for my own sites as well. Fantastic. Tremendous background. So you started very early. Mm -hmm. That that passion was there early. And and timing was great, right? There was everything kind of came together. Right. And and so that artistic approach, obviously I know you graduated from the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. We chatted a little bit about that. So you came at it initially very much from the creative artistic side. Is that fair? Yeah. I always think, um, you know, some people in business are kind of inventors and that's my, I think that's my aspect that I come at it from. And so for me, I've always been, you know, creating ideas and things in my mind and come from a very creative family. You know, I have teachers and, and people who are very into learning in my, in my family. And so I think that's where that kind of natural curiosity came about. And so with, for example, with Photoshop, I was taking a college-based course when I was 14 years old. And Mm. what was funny to me is people were really sitting there waiting for, they were like waiting for the teacher to tell them what to do. And I'm sitting there clicking all the buttons and doing all of these things, just being like, well, how can I figure this out? How can I fast track it? And so I've always had that kind of exploration, you know, explorational spirit within me where I'm trying to figure out ways to do something. And if I don't know, I'll figure it out. And so that started with the early days, like I said, Photoshop flash went into web design after graduating the art Institute and work with clients on that. But I really felt like the missing piece was the marketing aspect. Cause it's not just having a website, it's getting people to that website. So that led to me going down that path of seeing how do you market something, especially in the early days of social media. When I always say, when I started in social media, that wasn't even a term. They were like, what is social media? (laughs) Why do I care about Twitter or Facebook or any of that kind of stuff, which nowadays is crazy to us, right? To think that there was a time when it wasn't a thing. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you, from early on, you were curious and you weren't afraid of breaking it. You just Mm -hmm. were going to click on every button, like you said, and experiment with it. And you were excited about where it could take you, which is fantastic. And that that's obviously a benefit of youth as well, Mm -hmm. but you just didn't have those, you didn't have those limits that a lot of people have about being afraid to break something or go beyond its limits, which is fantastic. So you currently reside in the Austin area, Mm -hmm. correct? Correct. Yep. Excellent. And so in this episode, what we're going to focus on is we're going to get a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, because that's always, of course, of interest to our audience and to myself. And then we're going to, of course, dive into these areas of online marketing in which you have such expertise and can share some advice and tips. So let me get started with a question then about your journey. I know Obviously, from your background and looking at your resume, you've gone back and forth between having your own firm and then working for others. I'm sure it's part of as an opportunity presents itself, you you evaluate it on its own merits. But what has brought you back now to starting your own business? Yeah, so it's a funny story this last round. You, you know, I've had it, I've done that a couple of times where I went back to the corporate world after something wasn't, you know, like let's say I was thinking that it was kind of the tail end of some kind of business that I was working on or I really maximized the potential for it. And so I think, you know, it was different phases of my life. But the the interesting thing about the last time was I was working for a company here in Austin that I loved. I wasn't the typical story of like, I couldn't stand my boss. And I, you know, I did have a terrible commute. So there was that it was, you know, an hour and a half each way. But even after I moved into more of a work at home kind of role, I just realized that I had been I think for years pushing back this, you know, no, it's fine. It's fine. I don't have to be an entrepreneur. I can just work in the corporate world and I'm very fulfilled in that way. And even though I was very happy in the place that I was working because there were great people, I 
had kind of a moment. I think uh, I like to talk about the story when my husband and I were listening to a podcast that was talking about time travel. And then we were like, you know, asking each other, how, so if you could go back to any moment in time, what would, what would that moment be? And he asked me that. And I like, without hesitation, I said, I would go back to when I went, you know, when I first went back into the corporate world and I would have just toughed it out and stayed in a business and made it work, you know, and that was like an aha moment to me. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. because it was not, it was not something that was really like at the forefront of my mind all the time. But the fact that I answered the question so quickly and I, and I realized that I was almost doing a disservice to, to myself. And even, even though I worked really hard in all the jobs I had and got amazing successes for these people, you know, with, with the knowledge I had, it still was something that I knew that it was still a glass ceiling, you know? And so that was the key thing of why I was like, this is a time it's kind of now or never, you know, let me do this now. Yeah. That's such a great story. And I think it resonates with a lot of people. It resonates with me because similarly, I had a job that even though I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I was very well compensated. I was good at it. I had good success. And so I think it's even harder Well, it's gotta be harder to leave that and go off on your own. But you had that wake up call that said, wait a second, that that's when I was at my best. And so that it was interesting how you came back around to it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's funny because I think, you know, I think sometimes people are are just like they have that calling or they haven't even been in business before. But, you know, I never really understood the the whole term of the golden handcuffs. And I was like, well, what does that really mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really get that. I don't think it's a thing. And then I totally got it because even, you know, even after quitting my job, there are, of course, moments when you are like, did I make a terrible mistake? <laughs> like, what <laughs> was I thinking? And Right. I know, I know that a couple of years from now, I'm going to look back and be so happy that I made that decision. And even to this day to have the freedom to, to make my own schedule and things like that, I'm so thankful for, but, but it is that like, I had a, I literally had a bonus that was months away and a lot mm. of people would be like, well, that's foolish for you to walk away from that. But I knew that, especially with the things that are coming about now with a lot of, a lot of the developments in social media, that it's now is the time and you kind of miss that time if you don't jump at the right kind of time. That's right. Yeah, that's tremendous. So thinking back either with Influence Buzz or the company you started before, can you recall a, a major obstacle that you faced early on that you can share? Yeah, well, it's funny because with with the initial company, the, the startup I had before was had a funny name. It was called blingyblob.com. And so blingyblob was back in back when MySpace was really popular. And I think, you know, just sometimes you don't, you're not ready for that super quick success. And so at the time I was scaling cause it was, they were like hosted widgets that were on blingy blob and people would put them on their MySpace pages. And I'm thankfully very technical. So I was able to kind of, you know, get my hands dirty and, and help with some of the stuff with the servers and things like that. But it was scaling so fast because it was something that was using so much bandwidth with all those visitors and them putting stuff on their pages that there were lots of scary moments of like, okay, the site's down or how am I going to scale this or the expense started to really pile up. And so I think the learning was just to, to be able to shift and change with that and that there are going to be unexpected expenses, unexpected hiccups along the way, but it didn't, nothing ever, you know, shut down the business. It was never catastrophic. Even when I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, and I, and I felt like it was a terrible thing, but the really exciting thing in that is that I remember at the time was early days, YouTube. 
And, but YouTube was already pretty big. And the server I was using said, you know what? You're, you're pulling as much bandwidth as YouTube is. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, what? To this day, I'm, I'm just shocked at that <laughs> metric. Yeah, that's incredible. But you know, it was a good learning though, to scale it and, and just kind of go with it as it goes along. And so if you, when you think back to that situation, what, what would you have done differently? Would you have brought on someone uh, to help with that support? Is there anything you would have done differently in dealing with that? Yeah, I think my overall learning for for that business was was that. I mean, that that's something I would have done in a number of ways is brought on people to support that. And I think the issue with being a solopreneur, especially one that I, I can do the design or the marketing or those different pieces, then I try to do all of those things. And I know of people who were in a similar space as I was at that time that were that hired, you know, five or six people. And obviously, you know, it's not as profitable initially, but it's something that I think you can scale much bigger beyond yourself if you're sacrificing the early profits and early revenue to build the the team and build the kind of people that are going to be with you for the long haul because that builds a sustainable business. And so I think I think they probably had much more, many more wins in that area. And that's the learning I had is building the team, bringing in people to do things, even if you have an expertise in that area. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things I'm always challenged with is looking at bringing on those people more of an expense. And so that keeps me from doing it sooner as opposed to an investment mm -hmm. in your growth. And I always struggle with that. So was that, was that kind of part of it as well is you're waiting to justify when you bring on those people, but sometimes you have to do that ahead of it and make that investment. Yeah. And I think it's, it's definitely situational. Like right now having quit a job just recently last year and, and having a certain amount of savings that we were set aside for this, there are always things that are unexpected. And so you're, you're, you're kind of having to take that leap without a parachute at times and say, okay, this, this money's coming in. If I put it back in, then it's a little less of that buffer, but, but usually the returns are, are, worth that, you know, and they're going to be something that you're making that investment. In, and that's exactly right. Like you said, you're making an investment. It's not an expense that you're just like throwing down the drain. Some things may not work out. Some things, you know, you may invest in and they don't work out, but it's the same thing with any investment. So I think that mindset has really shifted for me from the last business is that that investment is sometimes the most important thing because it'll hold you back if you're not doing that early on. Yeah, excellent. All right, well, let's segue into a question that I know a lot of the clients I work with, a lot of the small business owners I know and work with, and that is this whole big concept of online marketing and an online marketing strategy. And the big question, and as you know uh, better than I, is most people then, small business owners, just get paralyzed and often do nothing. So where where do you start? Where does a small business owner start on this big topic of an online marketing strategy? Yeah, I think a lot of times with the companies I've worked with, unfortunately, for example, startups or something that I might work with, they, they are on step 10 instead of starting at step one and they let's say build something that is not what people want or they build it in a way that people don't want and whether you're a service-based organization or product-based or anything in between then it's something that you know you if you're far progressed you can always go back and figure out both the messaging and the market and the audience and all that kind of stuff and you can always be refining that but a lot of times we skip that step and i mean i i know for myself i'm just like oh i want to go for it and, and do this thing but 
you need to go to that initial stage of validating the idea or finding out what audience is resonating well with your kind of product or finding out you know who they really are so that you can have that messaging really clear and concise and speaking very directly to them. So I think that's a key thing that that's you know a lot of small business owners miss and they kind of start in the middle of the process or towards the end of the process when that's the, the core first step. Mm-hmm. We tend to jump in and just get started with something. That's typically the nature of who we are personality wise we just want to start just get started and we don't have a plan that overall that directs us mm-hmm. and so then then we wonder if we're spinning our wheels <laughs> or spending spending the money in the right place mm-hmm. so the other thing that you talk a lot about I know is building I think what you refer to as an active online community and why that's so important can you explain that and, and a little bit about why that's important for a small business to develop that? active online community. Absolutely. So I I do talk a lot about that because I think with any of these things and even the trends I've been a part of, the key important piece is that if you're developing, whether it's a personal brand or a business brand, you want those passionate users. And it goes back to the reason my company is called Influence Buzz is that you, you don't want it just to end with a customer. So if you have a customer that buys from you and never buys from you again, you're maybe putting too much into the marketing of them. That's not going to be much of a return. But if you have a customer that buys from you, actively participates in things you're doing online, shares with other people, then it's your marketing dollars are going so much further and you're building, um, you know, kind of a network effect where those people are so passionate about what you do that they're sharing with others. So that goes back to the whole active online community. If you're building around, let's say a topic that people are really passionate about in your space, they're going to be in front, you're going to be in front of them way more and they're going to be engaging and interacting with you where you're building a relationship. And if you build a relationship, then they not only feel like they're a part of a community with other people, but they feel like you are the the leader of that community and that you're the expert in that space. So they feel like you're more relatable, you're more personal, and they're definitely more likely to buy from you in the long term because they they understand that you're a part of that community. Yeah, that makes sense. So this is about that that life cycle with that customer not ending at the purchase. We've known that, but but extending that and how they engage with our brand and with us online, which I've always believed that's what social media really is about, is about facilitating that, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that engagement that goes on after the interaction with our brand and our product. Right, yeah. And I think that's, that's the hard part too, because social media can be sometimes just activity to be activity. And it's, I I think the issue is there's so much content being pumped out and I Mm -hmm. firmly believe in content marketing, but I think now that it's become such a huge buzzword, it's something where you're competing with volume or you're maybe just pumping out volume for the sake of volume. But, you know, you really need to focus on what is the afterlife of that content. So is it, um, even if you're, you know, repurposing in other places, how are people interacting with it, sharing with it, commenting and all that, that kind of stuff. Instead of it just being something that you put out there and that's it and it's it's done because that's probably wasted effort on your part. Yeah, and it's a pre- I think there's a pretty easy definition there. If you're putting out content and no one is interacting with it, then you're just it's the old bullhorn effect of <laughs> just scre- screaming right. it out. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and that's the easy way to judge as to whether what we're doing, I think, in social media, regardless of the platform, if people are not interacting with it, mm-hmm. then you have to really evaluate what it is that you're doing and, and why it's not resonating. Would you agree? Exactly. I think those are the signals because a lot of people wonder how they're you know what what they're 
doing, if it's working. And, and it, you know, when you're first building a community, you may have a little bit more of that silence because you're just, people are finding out about you. They're starting to kind of figure you out. And so it's, it may not be like that, but if you continue like that, I think then you'll see that something, something needs to be tweaked, whether it's the quality of the content or the engagement. Sometimes it's just even the engagement with other people. So a lot of times, for example, you may be a part of a social network, but if you're just like you said, just doing the bullhorn effect, you're the broadcaster and you're not the person who's really a part of that community. You're not engaging in those relationships with other people. Yeah, great. All right, so let's talk about something that's I'm excited about talking about because I have little to no experience with <laughs> this this whole this whole area of live streaming, which is obviously taking over to an extent. It's becoming critical. Educate us. What what is it, and how can the small business owners begin to use it? Yeah, and so you may you may hear me get even more excited and fast talking <laughs> at this part because. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. Because <laughs> I am so excited about live streaming. So I think, you know, I, I looked at all the trends and I usually got involved in trends pretty early, whether that was social media or mobile or any of those. But live live streaming is something that I got involved in uh, back when Periscope first came out. And that was a little over a year ago. And this was something where at that point it was very not mainstream. There was kind of a little community of people that were starting to, I mean, I say little, it was, it was something that grew even on Periscope faster than any other social network has grown in the history of the internet. And so I saw those, you know, what I call signs of life where there were, there were indicators that Periscope was growing so quickly. And I was building these real world relationships with people that I was meeting on there. And I was like making friends with sometimes people that were completely, you know, off my radar in any other form of social media, but it was this very accelerated community building. And it was this very accelerated way of finding content that you like. And so that's kind of the early stages of it started with Periscope. Periscope was one of the mobile apps that came out and Meerkat was early as well last year. And then recently Facebook Live got into the space. And this is where I think, you know, I think Periscope's a big part of this journey. But Facebook Live is, as we all know, Facebook is the 800-pound gorilla. And so they are putting a ton of, of resources and everything behind this where they scaled the team to 100 people within a matter of days to build out Facebook Live and to just focus on Facebook Live. So it's a big thing for them. And it's really something that's an exciting kind of new medium where people can engage with people real time via video. Excellent. So if I understand that at this point, it requires, it's a live feed. So whatever it might be, I might be at my place of business. I might be talking about something. I, I might, I'm streaming live. So how do I find the time as a small business owner to do that? Or do I delegate that? Or do I hire it out? Is how do I start with that as a small business owner to get into it? I think, you know, it's one of those things where if people, uh, people sometimes haven't even done video content. And so, right. you know, that for some people that might be the starter point, but however, for me, it was kind of the opposite. I, I had for years been like, I know how to do video. I need to do more YouTube stuff. And I was like, but I overthought it. You know, I was like kind of thinking, oh, I have to edit and I have to prepare and I have to have this like perfect background and all this kind of stuff with live video and live streaming. I just, I just jumped into it, you know, and I, I really was like, okay, I'm here at my desk. Let me, let me broadcast from my phone. And I was really amazed because I was able to then create video content at a rate that I had never, ever done before. And I was able to put that then afterwards on my blog or some other place that I could repurpose that content, whether in audio or video form. And so I think, 
you know, if you, if it's a time kind of thing, you can at least do a couple times a week. And let's mm. say if you were going to do a blog post or two blog posts a week, you can adjust your publishing schedule and say, instead of something that I'm going to work on for some other form of social media, let me do a live video and set aside 20 minutes here and kind of readjust that. Because, um, I mean, I can't make the promise that it's going to be significantly more than anything else you're doing, but right now, especially with Facebook live, the numbers that I've seen, I don't have a very active Facebook personal profile. I don't have a very active Facebook page or anything like that. However, it's been, you know, hundreds of views within a day on a lot of my live videos and Facebook is really surfacing that content. So whether it's pre-recorded video or especially live video, I think you're going to get more bang for your buck on, on creating that content, whether it's you or someone else, but, but you, whether you're the business owner or the kind of, you know, spokesperson or whatever that may be, people want to build a relationship with you. So it should be most often you if possible, or at least you showing kind of more the personal side of it. Okay. Excellent. That's, that's starting to make a lot of sense. So I think similarly, there's a lot of points there, obviously great stuff similar to how we can use podcasting to create content from which then we can pull out show notes and a blog post and perhaps an article and we might be able to even delegate that, but we create the content by speaking to it. Similarly, you're using live streaming for that uh, connection of it, but then you're taking pieces of it and repurposing it as video content, if I followed you there. Mm -hmm. And and again, it's it, to get started, for example, one of my businesses is a self-serve frozen yogurt shop. I could a couple times a week live stream for an hour, let's say, or have my manager live stream for an hour and then take some snippets of that and repurpose that as video content. Am I, am I on the right track there? Yeah, definitely. So that's exactly what you would do. So let's say you're, you're saying like, here are the flavors of the week and you're talking about mm -hmm. it and you're like, oh, these are some of the combinations people like to do and some toppings and, you know, maybe even featuring a customer that you talk to ahead of time and they give you permission to, to interview them and to say like why they like your, your store. You know, I think that's something that you can really build that behind the scenes kind of look, whatever your business is and show that this is how I run my businesses. The customers, these are employees. These are, this is how I do things and then take that content. And let's say you wanted to then do a little montage of, of the video clips from the different flavors and put that on Instagram or something like that. Or at the same time as you're live doing live video, you can have someone doing something on Snapchat where they're taking a little, you know, a snippet from another device. And so, um, you can take it and make it all those different forms. So whether it's video, video, like in the full form of the live video put on some other place, like on your blog or something like that, and you can embed it directly. For example, with Facebook, you can embed it with the comments and everything that were originally on that post really easily. And then you can take it and create an audio file from it, or you can create snippets of audio, video, pictures, all that kind of stuff. So it's really something where I think, or even, you know, for example, with podcasts, sometimes what we do is we'll take a quote or something that was like a, you know, a, a tweetable from that, and we'll make that tweetable or we'll make an image from it or something. So it's similar to that, to some of those workflows that would be for a podcast but the nice benefit is that you have the initial engagement as well. So it's not just something that is you talking to a camera. You have the initial engagement that was happening during the live video. You have video, audio, and potentially written content you can create from that. Yeah, fantastic, valuable stuff. So 
right now, who's watching? What's the demographic of who's watching, you think? It's it's really varied. I think that, and people often will say, you know, is what's, what are the differences between, let's say, Periscope and Facebook Live or some of these other players in the space? And um, I, right now, I, I honestly think there's not a great way of discovering content, but I think that's a problem we have across all social media. Like I don't, if I want to discover content on Twitter, I don't find a very effective way of doing that necessarily, especially for the non-power users. And that's the same way with like Snapchat or Facebook live or any of these things. So we're moving towards a space where now Facebook is the rumor is that for they're going to create a standalone app that will be just for just for discovering live video content and creating, it's more of like a, a Snapchat kind of version of, of a Facebook standalone where you can create live content or watch live video and, and discover it. So at that point, I think we're going to have more of mainstream adoption. Currently, it's really depending on your existing audience. So let's say you have a Facebook page that has fans that like your business. There are people who are going to also be the ones when you go live on that page that are tuning in. But the benefit um, of this big push with a lot of these companies to surface live content is that they're going to prioritize it in the newsfeed during the live video. And then for about two to three days afterwards, there's a significant upswing in the views of that video versus other, you know, pre-recorded content or something like that, even after it's live. So your same audience, whether it's a Facebook group or, or for me, for example, I do a lot of live video on my personal profile, but I am on my personal profile. I'm mostly connected to family and friends, but I'm also connected to a lot of business um, associates and people that are interest, interested in the same things I'm interested in. So it's kind of a similar demographic to wherever you're broadcasting from. So this area of live streaming is something obviously not only you're an expert in, but this is one thing you help your clients with when you engage with them, not just the overall strategy, but how to get started in this area. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things where if, whether they're big brands or small brands, everyone's kind of discovering what works for them right now on social media. And so to me, the thing is that's really important is consistency. And, you know, you may go live and, and do a certain topic and see that there's really good feedback but I also think since it's so early, people shouldn't be discouraged if they don't have a ton of interaction or engagement right now because it's not something people are so used to. You know, they're used to, there's been things we've been doing forever, like watching TV or listening to the radio. And so we know how to interact with those kind of mediums. But with live video, people are just now, oh, okay, I understand that I'm watching a live video and I understand that I can interact with this person. And they're getting more comfortable with that, but it's not something that that they're completely familiar with just yet. I think that's going to change very quickly, though, where people are going to be yeah. used to it really, really soon. And a lot of these larger brands, I mean, I, I have a, you know, I get a Google alert on live video and it's amazing because some of these, these huge broadcast companies are creating video daily shows all of a sudden overnight where they're going to have a show for each of their networks every day on Facebook. And so I think people will get used to it very quickly and very soon. Okay. Excellent. So one other deep dive question and we'll bring it back up and that is about email and using email as another tactic. So it's a completely different mm -hmm. shift here, but let's talk about that because I know that's another thing that you, I believe still focus and help clients on. So speak to me about that. Is email still Another good strategy for small business owners? Yeah, I think so with a lot of my clients and places I've, I've, you know, brands I've worked with something, you know, it's the same, same concept as social media where sometimes it's just like batch and blast, batch and blast, batch and blast. But it goes back to with anything, I think that 
email is the place that even though email is a, a, a crowded spot too, it's still something that you're, you're in front of people at a more focused point in their day. And they're not sitting there like scrolling through the newsfeed and seeing 20 other things that they're distracted by. They're more in a different mode. And so I think the things a lot of times small businesses miss are building so much on social media and not building an email list or not building that kind of content around, you know, sending out emails where, and that's a big, that's a big miss, I think, because that's something that, you know, you have hear horror stories of people losing a Facebook page or losing an account on one of these places. And then they're like, oh, that's all I had. I had nothing else, you know? Mm, And so I think that, that the key thing is that you're going to maybe build similar content. It should be something that's interesting to those people. Don't just be a broadcaster via email either. However, you know, especially even tying into live video or tying into social media, have those call to actions that will bring people back to your site and convert them to an email subscriber. Maybe not even the first time they come, but at least at some point in time, they're going to be like, you know what? I find it valuable enough to be a part of their email list. Great. All right. All right. So let's bring it back out now to a higher level. We've, we've talked a bit about social media in general. We took a pretty good deep dive on live streaming. We just talked about email. And I know I've asked this question, but it's such a critical one to small business owners who are listening. And that is this whole concept of where do they get started? I, I realize that the key is to have an overall strategy first that dictates where you start. But any other thoughts on how to get started. There's there's so many small business owners, for example, that I work with who haven't done anything. They don't even have a website because they're paralyzed with indecision. What's your advice to those folks? Yeah. And I think that a lot of times, you know, sometimes you do have to jump without that parachute. And that's what I love about, like, let's say it's, it's scary to people to, for example, go on video, but something like that, you can really get quick feedback and see what's working well and creating content, getting that visibility, whatever format that visibility needs to look like, whether it, you know, whether it's on a social network or it's creating live video or something like that you're, you need to like quickly get feedback and be able to be in front of people some way. And so I think even if you choose one specific social network and you dive in mostly into building that engagement and the community can be built even before you have a website because you can reach out to people with similar similar things that you're offering and that they're interested in the similar things like that and build that engagement and that one-on-one relationship with them and then you know see if they can give you some feedback on some of your initial thoughts or your early ideas or as you build your website and the more that you have those kind of power users that you're having initially that start to really love what you're doing, they may love that before you even have all the pieces in place and they may shape what you're building as well. Excellent. All right. Thank you. That's perfect. So in addition to live streaming and maybe that is it, do you, do you see other uh, on the horizon emerging technologies that you think we need to be aware of as small business owners as it relates to online marketing? I think that there's some that just haven't come full circle. You know, there's, there's some stuff that a lot of people don't do. And I really, I think for example, analytics is something that there's not a really easy end to end solution or connecting tools end to end and customization, personalization, those kind of things that you have to be a pretty, you know, savvy marketer to be able to do those things and to be able to add that into your business. So I would hope that more, more on that end happens that it's a lot easier. And, you know, I don't see a ton of companies doing that. But I think when people get that right, it's going to be um, really game changing for their business and for anybody who's building tools for that. And then uh, one that I fight against, like 
the plague is um is snapchat i'm mm. super like love hate relationship with snapchat but i think um snapchat goes back to like we've i've been mentioning before that one-to-one -one relationship and instead of a one-to-many it's a one-to-one -one. i mean it's kind of like a one-to-one -one and a one-to-many which twitter can be that too but it's something that brands and businesses are becoming much more of these personas and these these kind of almost like identities where people are saying, I want to not just see you from afar or see you on a, on a TV ad or something like that. I want to build that relationship. And so whether that's customer service agents that are doing that, or that's people behind the scenes and employees and, and, and owners, I, those kind of things like Snapchat are going to be building more of that, that back and forth conversation. And it's very unique to that kind of content. That's not staying forever. So like, I think that's where, as we're heading into these trends, the overall is that it's content that's not going to necessarily stick around, or it's very much like, you know, high, high on the, the, the list of your stream for a couple of days, but then it kind of drops off, which I think helps people be a little less intimidated that this is going to you know, be something that they mm. have to make their best content ever. So like for those, it's more just fun, you know, having fun, showing a fun side of your business. And a lot of times, you know, we are like, well, should we show a fun side of our business? But that'll make your, your business that much more relatable. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. And, and again, it depends on the the personality and the tone of your business. Mm -hmm. It may not make sense for some businesses. Right, exactly. Uh, and I and I find like, you know, when you think of things that people share and for some business, it may be more informational or it may be something that's teaching them a skill that they're mm -hmm. going to make more money or something like that. But it's something that you, if you think of yourself as the end user and say, what would I share with my similar, you know, similarly minded people, then create content around that. And you're going to probably have some, some winners on your hands where people will share that content. Okay. Excellent stuff. And on the analytics is right quick. Are you, are you talking about there like beyond what Google analytics gives me and interpreting that? Is that what you meant there? I'm yeah. not, I didn't know if I followed you completely. Yeah, absolutely. There. I mean, I think right now a lot of businesses use, let's say Google analytics and it kind of ends there, but it's really, it's in the nuances of those things that mm -hmm. is the, is the differentiator. I think when you can, when you can look at something and tie in customer identity and previous behavior and all that kind of stuff, and then really see the, the what's performing well and amplify that to create even more successes and even more of those customers that are doing really well and finding like, how can we get more of those people? A lot of times, especially since business owners are so swamped for time is that, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, this is our, these are our site visits. These are our page visits and these are, you know, the top popular pages, but it goes so much deeper than that. So I think whether it's using tools that can help you connect different tools that you use together in order to have that data layer it right now it's not so so easy to do so that's sometimes something that people can outsource or hopefully there'll be tools that'll make it easier to to do that in the future yeah that makes sense i know when i look at it and i've been looking at it for a long time it's sometimes you're like okay now what do i do yeah. you know, what, what do i do with that <laughs> so i've got these numbers what does that tell me do i need to do more of this less of that and that's that's where it stops. yeah it was interesting because i did a facebook ad for one of my blog posts recently and i was just testing kind of some different uh audiences and demographics. And I was like, okay, this is performing really well. But I, and so obviously there was the interest there in terms of click through, but I was like, there's something off, something off. And if I was just looking at overall like click through rates or something, I would have been like, this is great. Like it's doing well. But when I looked at my, my other analytics tools that I was using, I saw that a ton of these people were coming in on mobile and they were leaving right away. 
And I was like, so clearly this is like a mobile centric audience that's coming in from these Facebook ads, you know? And so I retooled it and I was like, with those learnings, I could make it more of like a mobile only experience when they were coming in on mobile, not like responsive, but just mobile. And, and then, you know, a desktop version if they were coming in on desktop and, you know, those kind of learnings can really lead to some, some improvements in a lot of those things. Yeah. Wonderful. Great insights. All right. Well, let's start to, to wrap this up. I, I want to talk a little bit more though about Influence Buzz, your, your company. What, what would you say is the one or two things that makes you unique and, and that is the reason clients refer you to other people? I think, um, so going back to what we just talked about, analytics is huge for me. I like to be able to see what's working well and improve on that. And that's why for some of the, you know, for some of the brands and companies I've worked with, it's something that they're like, okay, we're stuck on this or we don't, we can't have any more, you know, we haven't had any improvements in certain areas for a while. And then when you look at the end-to-end analytics and I and I work with them on that, that's really something that they can get huge improvements. And then also just creative ideas. I mean, my now, of course, with especially with live video, I have like a million different ideas of ways that brands and, and companies can build that in and can actually have a lot of extra content that they can create about uh, creating that. And maybe it's, you know, unique kind of things that they weren't thinking. So I try to be, you know, have creative ideas, have things that they aren't thinking of and shift their thinking a little bit. And so sometimes that's a struggle because obviously people don't want to change their way of thinking, but, but then they, then they see the light when they see those metrics and they see those improvements and they say, Oh, wow. Like we never thought that would have worked, but it's, but it's how people consume, you know, whether it's products or websites or anything, it's a very different way of, of, of doing it nowadays than maybe it was a few years ago for a lot of these companies. Excellent. That makes sense. So let's take a little bit of a personal turn here. Uh, productivity tool, personal productivity or, or work productivity tool that you use that you would recommend? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Trello. I think especially cause I, you know, develop content schedules and things like that. And with the podcast and all that kind of stuff, Trello is really easy for me to just easily visualize. And it's kind of project management slash asset management all in one for me. And then, you know, approvals if I have people that I'm outsourcing things to. And then, um, I've been lately trying to tie that into, um, things I put on Trello that are kind of day by day breakdown of what I have coming up. And then I use timely, which is an app that's on phones. And then also like the Apple watch and a few different places that you can use it to, to really get a better idea of how long things are taking me and actually set timers and, and transfer mm. those tasks there so that I can then, you know, use Trello more effectively to say, these are the things that I'm going to block out for tomorrow, for example, because I know how long they're going to take. So I think, you know, a lot of times we underestimate how long something takes. So, uh, right. so Timely has been helping a lot with that on, on that end. Excellent. So Trello and Timely. And so do you, have you developed a discipline where you use Timely to, to really kind of track how much you're spending on, on certain tasks? I've done it here and there. I think what I would love if, cause so timely doesn't have, um, any integration into like if this and that or anything, like mm. at least across the, to Trello, I would love if there was just a way to connect it to a card on Trello and then send it to timely and, and start the timer. But right now it's kind of, you know, there's, there's probably some hacks or some ways I can do it where it kind of works around. But, but sometimes, you know, I'm like, I have some good days where I remember to use timely and some that I don't, I think when there are more 
more integrations, it's going to work really well to just like kick off a timer from some project management thing. And, and it's using Timely for that. And that way you just don't have to go to two different places. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. A couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, I love to read. Is there a book, whether it's on business or any subject that you've read recently that you would recommend? Yeah. So a book I really love that I heard of from Pat Flynn was um, Ask by Ryan Levesque. And it was something that I think it's one of those things that, you know, may sound kind of straightforward when you hear, when you hear even the concept of the book, but it's just to really get that initial validation from your, from your initial like users and as as you're building something to know that you're creating the right thing. And so that's something that I think is the, the step that we all miss and we all skip. And a lot of times we're like, oh yeah, I know what I'm building or, you know, (laughs) I, I know exactly what, but with ask, you know, it really takes you through the steps. And one of my favorite expressions is to get outside your own building. You know, you need to, you, a lot of times you're like in these meetings and you're telling people like, okay, this is what we're going to work on. But, but you start talking to people that are your users and you realize, wait a minute, this is not what they want or they want it this way or that way, you know? So, uh, ask is a really good book around that topic. Excellent. And we'll have that link in the show notes as well as notes on everything we've talked about here. And you can find that on our website, thehowofbusiness.com. So we'll be sure to include that there. So as I wrap up, is there any last parting piece of advice that you'd like to share, especially since our audience is people who are looking to start their small business or existing small business owner, anything that comes to mind that you would share as a last piece of advice? I think key is don't be afraid to make mistakes. And uh, I like, you know, I guess that's another reason I'm so passionate about live video and live streaming is that people, people are okay with this mistakes you make. And there's, they're like, they, they see you as more human. And so I've made tons of mistakes in my business. I made tons of, uh, I had you know successes as well, but if you are afraid of the mistakes, then it makes you really paralyzed to move forward. So whether you're starting a business or you're in a business, you have to make those decisions and just like go with it as you go along. Some things will work, some things won't, but you can always shift and pivot. Ah, Wonderful advice. So this has been a tremendous episode. Thank you so much for everything that you have shared. I know I personally will be going back to listen, particularly on the live streaming (laughs) topic because of everything that you shared there. It's an area that's new for me. So I appreciate it greatly. This has been tremendously valuable. I know I'm quite confident that our audience will get tremendous value out of it. So my last question for you is, if we want to find out more about you and Influence Buzz, where should we go? Yeah, so there's a couple places. On my website, I have a blog that also has the past episodes of the podcast. So that's influencebuzz.com slash blog. And for people who are interested in maybe exploring live streaming and just trying to see if it's something that they can start to plan or you think of topics for, I have a workbook. So a live video quick start workbook at influencebuzz.com slash live workbook. Excellent. Alessandra, thanks again. Thanks for taking the time to share so much of your expertise. All of these links that you've shared we'll have on our show notes and love to have you again, may perhaps here sometime soon. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. So folks, thanks again for listening to another episode of The How of Business. As I mentioned, you can find the show notes on our website, thehowofbusiness.com. And we look forward to having you again on a future episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.